Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10.30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois, 60926. We hope to see you this morning. We are going to continue in our study today. We're going to finish up chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians. So if you're in the Red Bibles, it is 8 or 998. <clears throat> 998. And this is about this is called the Temple of the Living God. We are the Temple of the Living God. Did you know that? We are to take care of our bodies and we are to do the things God wants us to do. We are the temple of the living God. Starting in verse 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? What agreement has Christ with Belial? Or what part has he who believes with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk, with them, walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore... Come out, of the, out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Starting in verse seven, verse, chapter 7, verse 1 finishes this off. It says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, temple of the living God. Do not defile your temple. A lot of people use that scripture to say we shouldn't drink or smoke or do drugs, right? And that is true. That is true. We should honor our bodies. And a matter of fact, a lot of like... Um, credentialing places that I, like when I was credentialed with the Assemblies of God, you had to account for your physical health. You had to say I was eating healthy or I was working out or taking care of your body, taking care of yourself. You had to account for that because they view that as a very important thing. And it is an important thing to take care of your body, but they actually accounted you for that. But we're going to go into this a little bit, and we're going to talk about it. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, does this mean, and this is, I want to throw this out there, and I want you to think about it. Don't shout out answers or nothing. Does that mean that we are to be separate in our own little areas and never go around people who are unbelievers? Does that, and some would suggest that this and as a matter of fact, theologians suggest that this is talking about specifically about marriage. 
Do not be unequally yoked, which means if you're a believer, don't marry an unbeliever because what happens then is the believer, the believer, well, some people are fixers. Well, I'm going to marry this person. They're nice, but they, they'll come to know Jesus through me. How many times did that work in the Old Testament? How many times did the followers of God in the Old Testament change those that they weren't supposed to marry? Did it work out for them? No. It didn't. The unbelievers changed the believers to be unbelievers. You can't change anyone. God can. But he says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers because more than likely the unbelievers' uh, attitudes and temperaments and all these things will affect you to be an unbeliever. He says, for, so for what fellowship has with righteousness with unrighteousness? Right? It's like oil and water. You can't mix them, can you? You can for a minute, but then they separate, right? You take oil and water and you shake it up. It'll mix a little, and you'll see these little balls of oil, and then it'll just separate out. The, the water, whatever's heavier, will, rise to the, will sink to the bottom, and then it'll rise to the top. Oil normally rises to the top. So that's what it's like. So you cannot mix oil and water. Being yoked with an unbeliever is like oil and water. You'll never come together. You'll never come together. What communion has light with darkness? Is there communion with light and darkness? Have you ever tried that? We did that once when, I, when, when the kids were little. I took one of those, one of these clicker things, like this, went in our bathroom. Our bathroom has no windows in it whatsoever. You shut the door in there, you're in pitch black. No fellowship with light and darkness. If you put pitch black and then you do that, what happens? The light dispels the darkness. So there's no fellowship between light and darkness. One has to go away. And if it's light and darkness, the darkness is dispelled. So there's no fellowship between light and darkness. What agreement has Christ with Belial? Or Christ with idol worship. There is none. It's polar opposites. It's polar opposites. What part has he who believes with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? See, these are just analogies of things. He's, he's hammering this into our heads. Unbelievers and believers should not be together in close relationship because it won't end well, right? It won't end well. Even if you have two different faiths in the family, it usually doesn't end well. Because there's a clash there. Well, this is what we believe. Well, this is what I believe. Well, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. I'm right. There's that clash. And that causes issue. That causes issue. 
So we are to, that's why it says we, when, when we, we marry, we should marry a like-minded believer. Because then there is no conflict or turmoil or things like this caused by a relationship that is not equally yoked. He says, I will live with them and they and I will and walk in them. This is different than what it used to be. Jesus walked with us, now he's walking in us. That's the difference of the old covenant and the new covenant. God covered them in the old covenant. God indwelt within them in the new covenant. So he walks in us. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now if God is not our God, then we are not his people. There's a conflict there. One person says, I follow God. The other person says, I follow myself. God walks with the one, but not with the other. And that is a problem in a relationship. Causes conflict. And what happens in those situations, the one who is the believer, because of, it says, you know, we're supposed to love everyone and we're supposed to, a lot of times, the believer, whether what gender, whatever gender it is, will succumb to the other one because out of love of Christ and then they will turn from their own ways and back to the wicked ways of the enemy. And then you're back to square one or worse. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. That's sanctification. Come out from among them and be separate. The, the, the salvation experience should cause us to want to be separate from the crowd over here. It should want us to be separate from the things that are going on and on to our own thing, on to what God wants us to do, separate from everyone else. Everyone else is going to jump off a cliff. Well, not me. I'm going to separate myself from them and be separate. Everyone else is going to hell in a handbasket. Not me. I'm following God. I'm over here. Everyone else is going along the broad road. Not me. I'm going to find the narrow gate. Come out from among them and be separate. Separate. That doesn't mean you can't associate with Christians or non-Christians. That doesn't mean that, but that means that when things are brought to your knowledge of things that others want you to take part in, you decline. Guys after work, oh, let's go out get some drinks. Uh, no, I don't, I don't do that. That's, that. that's offensive to my Lord. Ooh, look at this. He's Mr. Holy Roller. Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. No, that's not what it is. I just don't want to do that. That should be our response. Come out from among them and be separate. 
Do not touch what is unclean. And I'll receive you. Now this is a little bit interesting because we can go so far with this. We can go a thousand miles down the proverbial road with this thing. Don't touch the things that are unclean. Well, there's so many things in our life that cause us as believers to divert from the path. There's so many things. There are, there's peer pressure. The guys at work, let's go out for a drink. You like those people. You want to make a good impression. You want to be a witness for Christ. So you go out to have drinks with them. That's diversion from the path. But you don't want to lose friends. You want to have friends. You want to be an impact for Christ. So you go out for drinks. Go off the path. Don't touch things that are unclean. What happens when that happens? You go out for drinks. And then you begin to think about things that you shouldn't think about. You begin to say things you shouldn't say. You begin to do things you shouldn't do. That's not becoming of a Christian because you went diverted off the path. Do not touch the things that are unclean and I'll receive you. You might think it's funny to laugh at jokes that are, on, that are off color or may even say some, some amongst your unbelieving friends. As a Christian, what does that say? We might use choice words that's unbecoming of a Christian around other, other non-Christians. What does that say? I'll tell you what it says. To that non-believer, because I was one of them, that saw a lot of this, it says, oh, if that's what a Christian is, that's cool. I can do what I want and I can name this claim to be this and I'll be okay. I'll go to heaven. That's not the case. You're in danger of falling away. Maybe you haven't fallen away yet, but you're in danger of it. Once things become second nature, once things become the idea of it's okay, I don't have to repent, then you're in danger. Then you're in danger. Do not touch the things which are unclean. So many things tempt us. Social media tempts us. If you're on Facebook, you know what I'm talking about. So many things tempt us. 
somebody says something on a Facebook wall or Instagram wall and you got you it just rubs you the wrong way and you start going off. Or sometimes, you know, you get into these things where have people have opinions and you have to share your opinion, whether it's good or not good, because you have to set people straight. It's not good. Social media is the downfall of the American population. Do not touch the things that are unclean. What are the things that are clean? If we're just saying, don't touch the things that are unclean, what are things that we can do? What are things we can touch? What are things we can experience? Well, everybody says, well, he's going to go on his spiel again, same thing he says every week, but this is what it is, right? You pray. Talk to God. You ask God to help you with these things. Because listen, I know, because I'm a human being, I know that it is hard to not do these things. I got two boys. Of course they're going to joke around about things they shouldn't. Things they see in school, things they hear in school. By the way, the, 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 the education system in 2022, they're learning a lot more than school book stuff in the classroom. And I'm not saying it's coming from the teachers. I'm saying it's coming from the kids around them. They're learning things that I didn't know at that age. Things that are un ethical for these kids to know, things that are unhealthy for these kids to know at the age that they are, but yet they're learning it by other kids. So then as parents, we not only have to navigate home life and banging around and wrestling around and hurting everybody's feelings and hitting each other, we don't have to navigate that, but now we've got to navigate things that come out of their mouths that aren't appropriate. That always happened, but these are things that are adult inappropriate for nine and 10-year-old children. Things I didn't realize till I was in my early teens. It's inappropriate. So many things cause us to dabble with touching the things that are unclean. So what can we touch that's clean? We can pray. We can ask God to help us with the things that we have that's pushing our, pushing our ways of doing things. We can ask God. We can read his word. Reading his word is a lot more than just is a lot more use than just reading it for education purposes. It's life. It's reading it for life. It's reading it for for your daily dose of of Christ in your life. That's how God speaks to you. One of the ways he speaks to you. 
So you read his word. And in his word, he will give you things like, this is what I want you to start doing. Or I want you to stop doing. Or I want you to change in your life. So you say, okay, I will or I won't. And if you will change, start, stop, or change something, you're on the right track. So we can read his word. We can pray. What is, what is another thing? Well, you're sitting right here, aren't you? You can come to church. Well, what's the purpose of church? You're just sitting, sitting over there just listening to some guy babble on about Scripture. Well, there's more to church than just that. Church is more than just what we're doing right now. Church is an encouragement to the believer. Church is a support system. Understand that? It's a support system. We love each other. We lift each other up. We don't tear each other down. We lift each other up. That's what church is. Church is more than that. Church is going out and being a witness for Christ in your communities. And then coming back and saying, well, I gave a card to a friend that used to work with you, like Jim did this week. That's a support system. That's an encouragement to the other believers. You come to church. We hold each other accountable. And we do it in a loving way. Isn't that what families do? Don't families do the same thing? We're a family. And as family... We're going to hold each other accountable. And sometimes we may not like that. But we'll get over it. Because we're family. How many times in your families did everything go perfectly all the time? Did you ever have good relationships all the time? Never argue, never fight with your family members? No. Because that's not family. Family is family, and that's what we are. We're family. He says in verse 18, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So we're family. We're family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Doesn't matter our ages. Doesn't matter our ages. He's our father and we will be his sons and daughters. Doesn't matter our ages. We're family. You know how many churches <clears throat> don't exercise this particular phenomenon of being a family? They come together and they sit in their pews and they don't talk to each other. And they hear the message and they go home. And they don't talk to anybody until the next week. Some families are that way. But not this one. Not ours. There's a lot of churches that don't exercise this phenomenon of family. I'm pretty happy with what we do here for family. We care about one another. It's important. 
It's important. That's how you build unity. To understand that God is our Father and we are His sons and daughters. As a father, Jim and I know this, a father provides for his children. A father will give them what they need and sometimes what they want. But he'll give them what they need first and foremost. You need a hug? Dad will give it to you. Mom will give it to you. You need a spanking? Dad will give it to you. Mom will give it to you. You want that new toy? Sometimes dad will get it for you. Sometimes mom will get it for you. A father provides for his children emotional support, spiritual support, emotional support. If I said that already, I don't know. But God gives us the same thing. And as fathers, we are to be emotional support for our children and spiritual support for our children. Fathers are to be the spiritual household of, spiritual part of the household, the leader. We're to emulate God. We are to do that which God has called us to do because He is our Father and we are His sons and daughters. We're all family. We're all family. And he says in the first, chapter, first verse of chapter 7, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let us cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Now, I am the first person to say that I am not perfect. I am the first person to say that I have trouble at times with my relationship with God because I'm human. Because I am living in a world that is sin-wracked. And if anybody was to say that they were perfect before God, I would call them a liar because they're not. We all have our things. We all have this... Ability, and we have this thing where we have to get rid of the filthiness in our lives. We have to. Now, when we say the word filthiness, we think about things like debauchery and sin and all the things that are really, really bad. Cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. Did you know that holding a grudge... Is filthiness. Did you know that unforgiveness is, is filthiness? Did you know that gossip is filthiness? And a lot of social media is based in gossip. How do you think it got so popular? Because people can anonymously gossip about others. How... <clears throat> How do you think cyberbullying got so popular? Because it's cowards behind a keyboard. When I was a kid, we didn't have social media. And if you bullied somebody and they wanted to take you out to the, to the playground and take care of it, they did that. And either, the, either they showed up or they didn't. And if they didn't show up, they knew who the real coward was. Right? Now, 
Because of the advent of social media, you can do cyberbullying. That is wrong. That is the filthiness in our hearts. You have ought against a brother and you don't take care of it. That is the filthiness of our heart and spirit. If we are family, we're to be family. Yes, we're, never going, we're not always going to agree. I will admit that. We've got three people downstairs and one, two, three, four, five, six people up here. Nine people in this church today. And we're not always going to agree. And that's okay. That's okay. We don't have to agree. But we can be loving in our disagreement. We can be polite. We can be civil in our disagreements. We don't have to be nasty. We don't have to be like the world. We're different. Come apart and be separate. That doesn't say be perfect, does it? We're going to still have these things the world has, but it's the way we deal with it and the way we do it. We're going to have disagreements. We're going to have falling outs. We're going to have all these things. But it's the way we handle it that's different than the world. I'm going to give an example, and I want, I want, I'm going to go ahead and use Wayne for an example if I can, and myself an example. Let's say I go up to Wayne and say something, and Wayne's having a bad day. And I don't know how often that happens, but it happens, I'm sure. And he says something to me that I don't like because he's had a bad day. And so the world would say, well, he's just a jerk and I'm just never going to talk to him again. And you never talk to him again. You don't investigate. You don't talk to him. You don't find out. He could have had a bad day. He could have not, uh, he could have not met his quota or whatever, whatever the case, his coffee was too cold or too hot or whatever the case, bad day, right? I'm of the world and I'm like, fine, he's a jerk, I'm never talking to him again. And you sever a relationship over one comment. That's the world, right? What is the Christian? Wayne's having a bad day. Catch you off guard, might make me angry for a moment. But then God would pull us apart away and say, now, you don't, you're not seeing his side of this. He went to McDonald's and got a large fry and they gave him a kitty fry, okay? You're not seeing this. So then you investigate, you talk it over, and you hear, you know, I was starving, I had eaten fries in five weeks and I wanted a fry and all they gave me was five fries and a red box, or something like that. That's silly. But it's something, and they say, well, I didn't realize that. I'm sorry, and I'm sorry I felt that way, and I'm sorry I said what I said. And then the relationship is renewed. That's the difference between the Christian and the world. A Christian family, a church family, should investigate the reasoning. Don't let it go. Jesus didn't let you go, did he? You're here. We're all Christians. He didn't let you go. 
He kept pursuing you, kept pursuing you, and kept pursuing you, and kept pursuing you. We're to do that too, especially with family. You never give up on family. Filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, that is part of it. When we don't pursue, when we get upset and we hold a grudge, that's filthiness of the spirit and of the flesh. And there's a whole host of things that can occur because of that attitude, because of that way of thinking. So many things can happen. Broken relationships. Isolation then happens. Bad self-esteem happens. Anger issues. Depression. Anxiety. Fear. All of those things happen, can happen, because we don't investigate and be a family. Being different than the world is what we're called to be, set apart unto God. We have the same struggles. We have the same situations. We have the same ways of doing things. But we go, when we mess up, we know where to go. When we screw up, we know where to go. When we rejoice, we know who to give glory to. Right? That's the difference. So the only way we can be that way is to get rid of all the filthiness out of our lives. Gossip, bitterness, anger, resentment, all of those things. When you get out, because that will spill over into your life. That will spill over into your church life. Your church family will begin to feel the effects of that. Not just those around you that are not in the church, like your workmates and all those people. Everyone will feel it eventually. I've always said, <clears throat> you can't fake it for too long. You can fool people, but not for too long. It'll come out. What's the Bible say? Your sin will find you out. You can fake it for a while, but not for too long. You can't fool God, but you can fool man. Get those things out of your flesh and your spirit, and your life will be better for it. Amen? Does that make sense? So what are some things we can take away? Number one, take care of yourself. Your mental health, your spiritual health, your physical health. Take care of yourself. Number two, know that God is walking with you, within you. Number three, separate yourself unto God and don't touch anything unclean. Don't conform to the world, but conform to God. Number four, 
He is our Father. We are His children. Four things. Get rid of the uncleanness. Walk with God. Treat your body right. Treat your spirit right. Treat your um, emotions right. Take care of yourself. Understand that God is walking within you. I didn't say the part of chapter 7 because God isn't walking with you and in you if you have things against others. If you're not following God, then he's not walking within you. Those are the things I want us to think about. Go before God and pray and ask God to minister to you. Ask God to show you where you need to Stop, start, or change. And then the real work happens. The application of that instruction. Amen. Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you today. Help us, Father, to understand these principles, to get the things out of our lives that hinder our relationship with you. And help us, to, Lord, minister to others as you would want us to. Help us to be a witness for you in a very positive way. And, Lord, we thank you for that. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I pray that you find value in this content. You can also find an audio podcast of this program on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today.